um, not being able to speak Tagalog or Filipino, broadly speaking, does not preclude you from being a Filipino. And, and no one should ever make you feel that way. But I've heard so many stories, and I've experienced it myself, where um, if you're not fluent in Filipino, there are certainly Filipinos out there that will say, you're not, you're not Filipino. So I'll make that slight distinction there. A Kangaroo Fern production. Welcome, Welcome to Gorilla Podcast, Fresh Eyes. The beat that makes you feel good. A weekly podcast that features interviews with social change leaders or individuals that aims to bring audiences good stories to motivate their own social impact efforts. Now, here's your host. Hello, Yumanisa. Welcome to another episode of Gorilla Podcast, Fresh Eyes. Nice. Hey, welcome to 2020, and this is our second or season two, episode one of the Greer Podcast. Thank you so much to all our our sponsor. If you want to sponsor this podcast, please visit our patreon.com slash kangaroo firm, or you can email us at info at kangaroofirm.com. On our first episode, season two in 2020, we're talking about Broadcasting. We're talking about how is the Filipino culture diversify in Australia. So, what's the Filipino community doing to integrate in Australian society? For this episode, we are very lucky that we our guest for today he is the chairman of Five EV, uh, EVI One Hundred Three. Point one FM. It's a multicultural radio station in South Australia and Adelaide, and he also the vice president of National Ethnic Multicultural Broadcasting Council. Please welcome Juan Paulo Legaspi. Thank you so much. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thanks for having me uh, on your podcast. Much appreciated, Miko. Thank you so much. So. Before anything else, tell me about yourself. Uh, well, I, I was born in uh, in Manila, um, but uh, I, I grew up mostly in Australia. So uh, I was roughly about two years. When mm-hmm. I was two years old, I moved to Melbourne, Sydney, then Sydney, Melbourne, then Adelaide. Uh, and that was just with me. Uh, I was an only child with, with my two parents. They came here almost post-Marcos, at the end of the Marcos era, and uh, grew up here, basically. But uh, we always tried, when I was growing up, I would always go back to the Philippines Every year for Christmas, stay there for at least one month, even two months at a time, uh, to spend time with my family. So I've, I've really tried to stay connected with my roots as much as possible. How, how do you involve in on 5EVI? Well, that was through my mom. So she dragged me into it. So um, I'd, I've been broadcasting as a, as a broadcaster on the radio for 10 years now. Oh, okay. uh, but before that, I would help research the news articles for, for mom, and uh, she would help translate them and get them prepared for uh, a program that was on Friday nights, uh, which was for Dr. Wanta. And uh, that, was, that was, you know, even when, you know, you use text-based browsers uh, <laughs> to research <laughs> the news. So that was an interesting time. And that was when um, news was limited, really, about the Philippines. Um, if you were a migrant coming to Australia, there was very limited news about what was happening in the Philippines. Obviously, things have changed now, mm-hmm. uh, but back then it was it was a, quite important. Because of of your mom, you are 
in line in the broadcasting? Uh, that's what got me into it. Get into it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, that was the perfect, perfect timing, I think, um, because I, I started researching the news when I was going through primary, late primary school, early high school. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a great way of kind of getting in touch with my culture and my roots, especially going through those formative years, trying to, um, you know, when you're going through your teenage years, you're trying to explore who you are and what you're all about. And I felt that uh, really helped me, kept me grounded as a person and, and, and as, as, you know, as um, a cultural identity about who I am. Uh, but that's how it all started. And then um, when I went through uni and I graduated from uni, uh, I really saw the advantages of really honing in my creative skills. And um, it helps practice many things, not only just about how you talk, public speaking talk, uh, but it also helps you formulate your thoughts, keep it short and concise as much as possible, interview techniques, production skills, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, kind of blended in and so I started enjoying the administrative side of things uh, a bit more as well and the production side like what you hear so far make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now this podcast is made possible by listeners like you thank you for your support now back to the show do you agree that uh, kids nowadays need to learn Tagalog as part of their culture uh I think it's helpful to learn about the language. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in an increasingly globalized world and everyone's interconnected, I think people kind of take that for advantage in the sense that they take that for granted. Uh, but the real work and the real, um, the real rub is wor- learning more about other cultures in deeply. Um, it's not, it's not uh, good enough just to simply say, um, I can connect with someone on Facebook and we live in a globalized society. You've got to really explore the culture. Um, not being able to speak Tagalog or Filipino, broadly speaking, does not preclude you from being a Filipino. And, and no one should ever make you feel that way. But I've heard so many stories and I've experienced it myself where um, if you're not fluent in Filipino, there are certainly Filipinos out there that will say, you're not, you're not Filipino. So I'll make that slight distinction there. That's a that's a great story. So, yeah. most of most of the Filipino are shows as well um, with different from all, different people, all walks of life, doing our broadcast. Saying some of them can still understand the Tagalog, but yeah. they cannot speak on that. Um, is that because of that? Is the Radio Filipino born because of that to communicate with the Filipino community yeah. in um, Adelaide and South Australia as well? Yeah, it, it was originally born from isolation in a sense. You know, it was it was that constant wave of, uh, I guess in, in Adelaide and Australia generally, Filipinos didn't come in a wave. Like with the Vietnamese um, migration, it mostly predominantly came from the Vietnam War. Filipinos have just consistently been coming to Australia over a period of time. But during the, the 80s and early 90s, um, it came from a place, Raji Filipino came from a place of providing information of the, from the Philippines into Adelaide. Um, it's now evolved into a, a blended mix. You know, we still talk about things, what's going on in the Philippines, but we also talk about Filipino Adelaidean events as well. And, and we've got our own kind of subculture as well. So it's kind of evolved into our own local, hyper-local events and mixing it with uh, Filipino life as well. So in Radio Filipino, um, I saw that you have two programs. So can you tell us about this program? Three programs. Uh, three, sorry. So uh, we've got yeah. uh, a one-hour program on Thursday afternoons. That's called Halo Halo Special. 
And then we've got a, a morning program from 8.30 to 9 a.m., a 30-minute program. Uh, and that's just a, a general mixed interest kind of show, just uh, updates, light music and entertainment. Friday nights from 9 to 9.30, previously up to uh, a year and a half ago, was um, called um, Harana Radio. And uh, that was hosted by Dr. Wanta, who was the, uh, found, one of the co-founders of Radio Pilipino. That was more like old, older tunes, croon tunes um, for, for a particular older demographic. Um, since then, I've, I've established uh, Bakara Radio, and that's more for um, young, a younger audience, but also people that are not necessarily born in the Philippines, but maybe born here, but are interested in Filipino culture as well. So that's the three in total. So, you, so the Bakara is like catered to young Filipinos living in, in Australia. Yep. So what is the main objective of that Barcada, the program itself? Uh, it's, it's meant to be uh, ex- making Filipino culture accessible. So we make a distinction with the rest of the other two programs in that Barcada is primarily an uh, English-speaking uh, language program. And that comes from a place that um, there's a lot of second and third generation migrants, Filipino migrants that are now living in Adelaide and Australia. And you know, it's, it's broadcast online, so around the world, that are interested in Filipino culture but don't necessarily speak the language. And we're trying to make it as inclusive as possible um, and making being Filipino as, in, as, as broad as possible. Um, and I guess what we're trying to say is we're trying to preserve the culture. And yes, we're trying to preserve the language and, and our interest in music. But um, first of all, get them interested. And, and you know, being Filipino is quite interesting. And that's that's what we try to celebrate on our show. On the tree show, what do you think is the um, the social impact to everyone? This type of program. Uh, well, they all have different target audiences. So the Thursday program, I would say, the biggest social impact and one of the biggest compliments I've ever heard about the program on the Thursday is that there's a lot of, lot of workers that listen to that Thursday program. Um, you know, so we, there was, we had a great shout-out from the chicken workers that work up in the Ingham's factory up in mm. Adelaide's north. Yeah, there's a lot of Filipinos there. There's a lot of Filipinos there. <laughs> I have, I have there as well. <laughs> um, and we had feedback that they tune in every Thursday or as many Thursdays as possible um, when they're working. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest uh, compliments you can ever get. Um, because you know that there's there's people listening, but they're also listening intently, and that they find it relevant uh, enough enough so that they they tune in regularly. And I think what they find most useful is that we play music that they find um, either nostalgic or we play new songs that they may not have heard of. That's from the Philippines. So that's pretty useful. Sunday's a good one because it uh, tends to be like an older demographic that listen in, and they're very loyal listeners. And the Friday program, I'm it's still early days. But one of the things that I'd like to do with the Friday program is really um, reawaken people's interest in being Filipino. So I'm thinking of someone that's maybe half-half or have been shunned from the community because they don't speak Filipino. Because everyone's got, I know it's a very specific targeted audience, but I've, I've been through it myself. Um, everyone's got a tito or a tita or a relative or family friend that says, oh, if you can't speak Filipino, I'm not going to bother with you. And uh, I, I really want that Bacara Radio program to really uh, reach out to those people in particular and say, look, you, you are Filipino. It's okay. That's a great um, uh, mission. Because a lot of Filipino now, once they migrate here, some, some of them are 
forgot who they are. Yeah. So they just that's a a good um, program. So aside from the tree program, do you have anything planned in the future for our Filipino community? Uh, yeah. Thinking of? I think one of the biggest missions, um, the the broad mission in my mind, is to get representation in media in general. And when I look uh, on TV, um, print media, online media, within an Australian context in particular, um, you don't see many Filipino Australians out there and or, or Asians in general. And that, that needs to change because it's not truly representative of who we are as a country. And that's one of the biggest missions that I would like to really focus on, whether that's in the media or in any leadership position. I think... Um, Broadcasting, community broadcasting helps develop those skills for leadership. So when people come and broadcast on their panels in uh, Bakara Radio, for example, I don't see them purely as community broadcasters, but I see them as potential leaders because they're the ones that are, are willing to articulate their thoughts and communicate them um, online or to a broader audience. And I'm, I'm trying to cultivate that mentality uh, to say that um, the word minority is a bit um, disparaging, Mm-hmm. Um, we are part of Australian culture by virtue of us living here and we should start acting like it and, and act with a bit of confidence. I think there's a lot of cultural identity with being a Filipino-Australian that you have to be a good nurse or a good aged care worker or a good hospitality worker. Nothing wrong with those industries, um, but we shouldn't shy away ourselves from being considered the best or leaders or um, that, that culture of of excellence and celebrating ourselves. We, we don't do that enough, I don't think. So as a vice president for National and Ethnic Multicultural Broadcaster Council, have you experienced asking for to make like a policy or guidelines for to say to, um, what do we say, to improve the broadcasting to multicultural, like, Yep. Um, so there's, there's a couple of primary ways that uh, I'm particularly excited about. So one of them is through new and innovative projects. So one of the projects I'm very, very proud about is um, getting media accreditation for a station in Melbourne to start. They got media accredit- accreditation from the AFL. And so they there's people from 4ZZZ that have got training, and we've rolled this program out nationally now so we've got andrew from from our station here who's done the training in melbourne they're now sitting with um in the media box commentating live afl games right next to channel seven channel Mm. you know the 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 main uh mainstream Mainstream. people and that started off originally as just purely an audio podcast but then we signed an agreement with um channel 44 in melbourne and they hosted a little tv show and they posted that on youtube and then uh, about six months later, we got approached by Foxtel, who said that on our community channel, Aurora, we would like to have an agreement that we can broadcast that on our community channel as well. So technically speaking, we've, we've put that, we're putting that out on cable TV. And, you know, that's, that's small steps, but that's the model I'd, I'd really like to activate a lot more. If the mainstream media is not going to um, show proper representation, then we've got to make our own brand and go out there and, and just show it to the world. The other angle is that you break down the doors of mainstream media. So the other one that I'm really passionate about uh, and that we're working on as, as, as a project 
is how do we get up-and-coming journalists that come from a diverse background into those newsrooms? And it's tough. It's tough from any background to actually break into mainstream media journalism, but it's another level to come from a diverse background too. So we're working with another non-for-profit called uh, Media Diversity Australia, uh, and we actually sponsored our first Walkley Awards uh, last year to celebrate diversity in media and media reporting. And uh, we're, we're working on internship programs that's rolling out around the country uh, to really encourage that um, type of diversity in our newsrooms. And uh, stay tuned because we're trying to work uh, an agreement with Google News Lab as well to try and, and, and focus on positive and encouraging reporting, positive journalism. Um, in Australia as well. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Well, that's a fantastic um, project. Yeah. 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 You, if we can get off the ground, yeah, but yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I really agree with you about hard to go to a, a media industry here. It's very hard. Yeah. Back in the Philippines, I was part of um, a media organization as a, as a journalist. But when I came here in Australia, it's hard to get job in media unless you are you have to study again do the intern again said oh i'm not doing that anymore so yeah that's a great project for someone who is into broadcasting yeah and and i mean like credit credit to you as well miko i mean um when when the going gets tough um the only other option you have to do is create your own content create your own portfolio and that's that's really the only way that you can kind of get your name out there because um yeah it's it's tough australian culture revolves a lot around more more so than other cultures i guess about who you know i mean we're filipino so that's that's core about who we are <laughs> as well uh, but in adelaide um for example uh you know i've heard stories of people going to job interviews and one of the first questions they ask you is not your qualifications but they say which high school did you go to uh, and, and that's what you're dealing with. Uh, you know, the industry values more your local. You could be the world leader in your field, but if you didn't go to the right high school in Adelaide, you're not in. And so I think the the imperative upon us uh, as as a diverse community is to really rally around each other and support each other, and that you know, trying to change the culture of of Australia. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't know. Some of them are saying. Um do you have any experience, local experience? Yeah, that, yes. <laughs> I said, give me, a, give me a chance, then I can prove it to you. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard that uh, there, was, there was a fellow that um, had many years, decades, in the finance industry, in major banks around the world. But because he had no, lo- because he didn't work in bank as a, you know, a local bank, yeah. um, that means he's not worth it. But he's managed multi-million dollar portfolios in another country. I mean, that's just, re- if we're going to move forward as a country, as a culture, um, and I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm talking more about Australians, but, you know, Filipino Australians generally, by and large, consider themselves Australians by the time they migrate here. Uh, if we're going to really move forward and heal that together we've got to change the culture and stop looking inwards and look look more outwards that's yeah that's gonna be hopefully because of your program someone will look at it and (laughs) (laughs) it's a it's a small contribution but i think if many many people join that that mission then we'll get there eventually so by the way how is filipino community in south australia it's interesting it's lively um it's got its its own uh, personality to it. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, 
this this could be a slightly controversial comment, but I stand behind my comments. There's there's a particular wave that came before me that uh, there seems to be a lot of divisions that happen. But my my generation and and the younger generations after me, I presume, have never seen that, but they are somehow caught up in the politics of the past. So my message to anyone that I come across um, that has just come to Adelaide or getting involved with Filipino community events is I, I say, stay away from the politics. We're all in it together and we all need to rally around each other. But there's a lot of division and it's not just in Adelaide. It's around around Australia. There's a lot of bitter divisions out there. <laughs> Especially in Melbourne. <laughs> Especially, in, I've I've read about it. I've yeah, heard about, read it. about that. So. Yeah, and that's that's not how we're going to move forward. You, you can't you can't demonstrate a strong united front. Not only for Filipinos, but there's a lot of people that hate migrants out there, and when they see our, ourselves fighting amongst each other, it it just makes us look like rabble, really, and it's over really petty stuff. And one of the motivating things I I try to 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 think about for myself and I try to impress upon others that I come across is that see yourself in your deathbed in decades from now. You're not going to say, I really like when I was president of X community. No one's going to remember you for that. Your legacy is going to last through your deeds and your work, not through your titles. But, um, you know, some people think otherwise. So, What do you think the contribution of Filipino community in Australia right now? Particularly as Australia. Uh, well, it's it's a long-lasting legacy. So, even right through the mid 1800s, Filipinos first came to Australia in Queensland as, and they were nicknamed Manila men, uh, pearl diving. Filipinos have had a long history with uh, Australian culture. We we've been there since the very beginning, and um, so if someone down the street yells at you saying go home to back, back go back where you came from experience that <laughs> yeah we we have collectively as a collective um had a long history here we've we've contributed to the foundations of this country and filipinos have a great um sense of responsibility to the place it's no dna but the, the ofw culture has really been ingrained in us now and so Our contributions go from anywhere from the healthcare sector, business sector. We've got a, a famous um, mining and resources magnet that magnate that's here as well. Um, my, personally, I'm trying to uh, break new grounds in public service as well. Um, everyone's got their own contributions to make. And um, actually, one I, I don't want to f miss out is on a culinary contributions as yeah, well. Food. Just the rise food, food's up there. And shout out to Dennis Leslie who who took a big risk by being the head chef uh, down at Adelaide Oval um, and, and serving up fine dining Filipino food. Um, those are the real, um, you know, groundbreakers, pe people like that. And so I guess it's just making sure that we celebrate that and also keeping our standards up to say that being average is not good enough. You know, let's not talk about simply buffet Filipino food. Nothing wrong with that. Great. But like Dennis Leslie, I love this vision. He said, I'm going to take that and I'm going to make that the best fine dining food in the world. Filipino is fine dining. And I was like, wow, that that blew my mind. That, was, that actually influenced my thinking a fair bit. In, in, in line with the 5 EVA FM, so what is the vision of uh, 5 EVA um, for, for multicultural okay. society? 
so 5VBI um, sees itself as a, a peak body for multicultural media in South Australia. And community media is one of the most responsive ways of transmitting a message. In a world of fake news and misinformation, community media is one of the most authentic ways of communicating to your audience. There's very little incentives to skew the news. It's because our, our, our sponsorship time is extremely regulated and limited. And um, a lot of communities can just speak their mind within reasons. You can't say anything defamatory or, or aggressive or anything like that. But you can really speak to your mind with very little filter at all. And that can't be said about mainstream media news, for example. Commercial news have got a lot of editorial pressure, sponsorship pressure, uh, what you can air, and what will attract new listeners. Um, of course, community media, we try to be relevant. We try to attract new listeners. That's, that's our final metric. But also, there's, there's very little incentive for us to be biased in what we report. And, um, you know, we've had people, community groups that walk off the street and they said, we want to do a program. We run them through the training program. Um, two or three months later, they're broadcasting on air. So it's one of the most flexible ways of being able to bridge being a lone operator, getting a camera out and going on YouTube. That's I'll call that the sole operator model. You've got community media that's between that and commercial media that, that provides that structure and infrastructure, but still maintaining your, your independence. And that's where 5EBI sees itself. It's the champion of people that want to take themselves from the sole operator model um, and want to break it into commercial or mainstream. So if I have an idea, a program idea, how do I approach the Pi EVI? Uh, you pitch the idea to the station management. Um, our station manager, well, through the board and through the station manager, we, we've given instructions to say, look, let's be open-minded about how we celebrate diversity. Mm-hmm. We've got airtime both on our, um, on our analog frequency, digital bands, and we're also planning to revamp our website so we can provide more tailored um, streaming content as well. So we're as much as a radio station as we are three studios that can provide podcasting services. And I think that's, that's an evolving piece. We, um, we need to kind of change our mentality about that as well. But the, the big value about audio podcasts in particular is that you've got a captivated audience that you know, you've literally got them between their two ears. And they might be uh, riding a bike, going on a, on a train, but um, you know, you've got a captured audience. It's a very personal, very intimate medium. Um, so yeah, it's quite open. So you can just pitch, pitch the idea. And if there's nothing wrong with it, and you've got some infrastructure behind it to say, look, I can back up my content every week or how often you want to broadcast, then there's very little barriers. Just uh, you have to pay a very minimal um, maintenance fee to cover our costs. Thank you so much, Paolo. Any last message to our Filipino-Australian or listener or watching this uh, podcast? Um, I'd say just the value of knowing who you are and celebrating who you are. And we all come through our journeys. I I grew up through a a high school system that was uh, particularly uh, Caucasian. And it can be very easy to forget who you are as a Filipino and what that means in the context of who you are. The best way to do that is to explore the history, the culture, the food. Start thinking, why is it like this? Why are we talking like that? And I encourage anyone that comes to any releva- revelations or wants to share their stories to, uh, 
come over to 5EBI and I'm more than happy to share your story either through Miko or through Bacada or both. Um, I think the more we talk about those experiences, the better because um, it can be an isolating experience at times. And um, the more you share those stories, the more connected we are. Thank you so much, Juan, uh, Juan Paolo Legaspi, yeah. for, for that message and story to tell to our listener and audience. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening and watching to the Guerrilla Podcast Fresh Eyes. And see you next time again. So, so see you next week for another episode. If you like the episode, please like, subscribe, and share. And also, if you have, want to sponsor... Please go to patreon.com slash kangaroo firm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Miko. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out kangaroofern.com.